Hello, my name is Christine Murray, and this is the Developer Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking to Asha Lichet Pedersen, a macroeconomist and UN sustainability specialist who spent the last few years developing an app to help citizens advocate for greener streets. Wild Streets was founded in 2017, and its purpose is to engage citizens and enable them to have a louder voice in planning and an increased sense of ownership in the development of their cities. The idea is an approachable platform that uses AI to allow people to take a photo of their street uh, or even a selfie of them in their street with some benches, some new green spaces, and at the same time to read some data about what that green space is doing to their health. But before I speak to Asha, let me just say that this podcast is supported by IE University. And here's a quick word from Martha Thorne about why they're keen to support the developer. So Martha, tell me about IE School of Architecture Design and why you're keen to partner with the developer. Christine, I think our school and the developer have lots of synergies. I would say, um, first and foremost, the idea of creating sustainable and equitable environments is, is something that we both are very interested in. Our love for the city, the ability to learn from the city and from many places to learn from each other. And then finally, I'd say that you're very entrepreneurial. Um, the developer has an entrepreneurial mindset that's very close to everything we do at IE, even at IE School of Architecture and Design. The ability to see opportunities where other, sees, other people see challenges, I think, is what brings us together. And we have this, of course, in our Global Master in Real Estate Development Program, this entrepreneurial spirit, this holistic look at the city. So it's great to be aligned uh, at IE School of Architecture and Design with the developer. And I really hope that all your listeners will visit us, will learn more about our programs, and especially the Global Master, the part-time program in real estate at IE School of Architecture and Design. Okay, um, I'm actually a macroeconomist by trade, uh, so I've been with the UN for close to a decade. Or have I passed it? I've been to the, with the UN for a long time, and I've been working with um, top-down policymaking with uh, industrial policies of how to um, achieve uh, inclusive uh, green industrial growth. And I always wanted to do the bottom-up approach instead is something that I've been a big passion of mine uh, of trying to make that transition. And I lived in London for uh, six years um, where I had the opportunity to maybe see more of these differences in green space, uh, gray space compared to um, Little Denmark, which just is, you know, very, very green and very, uh, you know, um, very well endowed uh, in terms of uh, green infrastructure. Um, and I, I just, I got inspired to do something and it started like a really plain idea with Google Earth, Google Maps. Um, and, um, but that was also very limiting because you took the, you took the perspective of a car. Um, and then we discovered augmented reality and that just completely changed the game for what was possible uh, of doing in terms of the app. You could suddenly put uh, green uh, placemaking uh, in the hands of users. No, uh, 
no laptop needed, no uh, no stills needed. Uh, you could you could have people place elements in real time in front of them. Um, so that was just a game changer for the whole project, uh, which has actually been in the making since two thousand and. 17, where I first talked about it uh, with the London National Park City Foundation. Um, they gave a lot of feedback, uh, which was just, you know, we saw that we had a place. We saw there was a worth to it. We also saw it was uh, somehow a low-hanging fruit uh, that just hadn't, you know, no one had seen that opportunity. Um, and that's just gone really fast since then. The concept has changed a lot, uh, but it's... Um, it's really been strengthened by dialogues with everyone from C40 to um, um, our, you know, big architectural companies, to the Landscape Institute. We've been trying to speak to sort of all the dimensions that we are hoping to reach with this app. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, now, you know, story, fast forward to 2021, we suddenly have an app that is perhaps more relevant than ever. Um, so we're really excited to be at this point now where we are actually collecting funding and, you know, ready to materialize it. So the app is called Wild Streets. Tell me what it does and, um, and, and what you, what you plan to do with it going forward. Uh, sorry. Um, well, Wild Street is, um, it's an augmented reality app that is, uh, powered by scientific data. Uh, and that is powered by um, uh, realistic 3D vectors of trees and plants, uh, together with equally realistic street furniture um, that will allow people to play to green their space, uh, no matter where they are in the world, in real time. Um, you will be able to take selfies with your green environment. You will be able to save your environment and reload your, your own, and you will be able to reload other people's uh, green designs so that you can sort of stress test other people's ideas, give your feedback, and just see the world through other people's eyes, get inspired. Um, now, the important two important points, we are feeding the tree selection uh, sort of in the background. So we don't, we want to give people a really interesting visual experience and not overload them, you know, with green information that can be overwhelming and can, you know, you quickly lose 98% of the audience you're trying to, you know, you're trying to reach for an app like this. Um, so it was important for us to have a really, really strong tree selection tool that we have uh, through uh, a collaboration of TDAG and the Myerskow University uh, that has developed a great tree selection tool. It's further um, powered by other kind of like the uh, Plume Lab offers us global air quality data, um, emission levels. Uh, you have it flooding. There is the tree selection that you as a user see before planting is it's it's really tailored to where you are at the hyper local level. And as we get, as we grow, we will have more and more specific data available. Um, in return, we collect not only what people visualize using the app, but also their um, demographic profiles. We, we ask for permission to access their, you know, social media uh, uh, information, but also hope they will share more with us. So we're able to make that interesting 
um, cross reference between what is it people actually want, what is it they want from their neighborhoods, and who are they? Are they the single mother of, of you know, three children? Uh, are they, you know, are they, um, are they, are they, are they elderly population? Uh, what ethnicity do you have? Do what? What uh, are you? Uh, are you a youth? There's just so many dimensions that's important to understand to make truly inclusive spaces. Um, and that has been the, you know, the, the um, that has been sort of the big, biggest mission of ours uh, to achieve just that, something that is non-discriminatory, um, something uh, that doesn't exclude people, which is, you know, often the case with, um, uh, you know, participatory placemaking campaigns. It just often leaves out uh, the audience you actually want to get a hold of. I think it's really interesting because you talked about being at the UN, that top-down approach, you know, being in macroeconomics, working on how you can promote inclusive change. What is it that's missing in that uh, top-down approach that made you, you know, seek out and develop this more inclusive? What is it that happens? Where is the disconnect uh, between that uh, participatory action and that um, UN advocacy? Well, at the UN, I did, what I did was almost is, it was and is very different. I work with industrial policies, and this is you know city planning. So it's it's two different subjects. But I think the my main experience with working at you know at at, at UN level is just that you you are an academic. Uh, you have you know you you are surrounded by profound intellect, intellect, and they of course have vast experience doing what they're doing. And there's also people who has a lot of uh, on the ground. Uh, experience. I don't always feel those two um, those two dimensions talk to each other. So when you make recommendations, it's it often becomes you know um, a bit of a what would you call it like a draw solution um, to any kind of. Of course, there's a lot of statistics analysis behind it, but it does become you know quite sort of sterilized, stylized uh, solutions to to a problem. And take me into Wild Streets, where it's com- completely controlled by the the app user. What is the advantage to that, and what kind of different information do you expect to to gain from that that will help with the with the advocacy towards more inclusive places? Uh, well, um, as I mentioned, um, we suddenly get people's unfiltered opinions. I think it's you know it's a lot about being able to design in your own environment if you go to city hall and you see some some you know some lovely posters uh with and uh, visuals about how this how your neighborhood will look like well it's beautiful it's wonderful nobody can nobody can you know dismiss um solutions like that but it often doesn't turn out that way and the solution is often different when you then experience it in real life so what we're hoping is to get people on the street level in the comfort of themselves there's no pressure from the surroundings um and um so we're hoping just to get that unfiltered uh, processing of what is it i want in this situation um and also to also to challenge their imagination because that's another point we are often you know trapped in you know our, our, our everyday life we can't imagine a street looking like anything else because we've never been exposed to it so we're also hoping through the app to um 
challenge them with some different uh, presets, meaning some pre-designed environments that they can then place and experience and move around and like have a real reaction to it. Um, and maybe learn, maybe they learn more about themselves as well, what they want. Um, and so that's sort of like the user journey we're hoping to, uh, to sort of kickstart really. I like the playfulness. I like the fact that you're using play, like it's quite a fun thing to do um, to actually kind of be able to directly influence and affect your environment. Uh, I was following on on social media and immediately the landscape architect crew were jumping in and saying, yeah, but that tree wouldn't necessarily be able to be put there. And, you know, they, they need a certain amount of roots or what, how does it work with the environment? So I, I guess I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond to them now yes. about that. I, not a feasibility study. And you know, it's a very important question because I think it's important to understand at this stage when we launch, we are not a planning tool. We are an engagement tool um, that, you know, has the ability to transform people. Um, we, um, you know, an, an important output from the app is also ecosystem service calculation. So ecosystem service calculations that it that tells people what are from your design what can what are the estimated you know uh, impact on your health on you in terms of you know pollution reduction on you know reduction of flooding risk etc etc and these are again the careful estimates based on um, i tree uh, data and you know the best possible data existing that will also continue to be improved but again it is estimates um so it, it is not a planning tool it is certainly not meant to replace um um urban forests in any way it's meant to be a supportive tool down the line we are we are hoping to get soil information to get underground utility information uh that's a very very different and complicated story um so that also our sort of our confident index when we give people uh, the sort of we give people uh, we, we will for every um, design suggestion give not only the ecosystem service calculation but also like um, that you know the accuracy of your design and all this is based on uh, you know this this quality of data this quantity of data and, and you know this kind of confident index um, so we are um, we're not a planning tool. We're a facilitator. We are an engaging tool, but we, we do have aspirations from making it much more than much more than that going forward. Um, how much is education part of it? Because it feels to me like that ecosystem services um, is something that might be new to people who are kind of playing around with this because it seems like a fun thing to do. Take yourself a selfie with your new, you know, rewilded um, street. Uh, but but how much are you, is your ambition that this is going to raise the awareness of, of the contribution that trees make to air quality or flood resilience? Well, big, <laughs> very, uh, um, you know, it's a communication design challenge. We're so lucky to have teamed up, teamed up with two very, very uh, skilled Danish teams, um, one called Seth Snail, another one called Norgam, uh, and they know their works, working with IKEA, working with, um, you know, they, they work in the, in, the, in the corporate sphere, so they know how to communicate complex issues to the common man. <laughs> uh, and we would, I don't, I don't know yet, but I don't believe we would use the term ecosystem services. Um, we would talk about what people probably mainly interested in, what is the benefits to my health? Uh, 
and probably, you know, in aftermath of COVID, how the, the importance of clean air is probably, you know, uh, bigger than ever. Uh, so it's these kind of issues we're hoping to highlight and hopefully people will get more interested, dig more into sort of the layers of the app because it will allow people to dig in to the information. Um, we're hoping over time we will get an AI that can sort of I can sort of learn how interested is the person I have in front of me. <laughs> um, so a lot of ambitions on, on that level too. Um, but it's definitely an educative tool. Um, and we also very much targeting uh, schools, uh, kids around, around the UK and beyond, um, who we hope we can make really, really fun um, curricular experiences um, in their school yards on their on their way to school with safe biking paths etc um, there will be possibility to include more vector components um, over over time so there will be a lot of interesting campaigns um, so we are you know we're really hoping to to reach uh, users of all ages so how much is that? I mean, we talked about the trees, but how much is that idea of social spaces? So, you know, benches and, and bike paths, is that a big part of the, the app as well in terms of what you can create in your environment? It is because we've also come to the realization through conversations with, with placemakers that um, a place is not a place without a bench. You don't have conversation below a tree. You have conversations on a bench below a tree. Um so it's really important to us. We're looking for the right fit of um, of, uh, of uh, um, street furniture designers uh, who make some really also, you know, inclusive um, furniture that are fit for both elderly and for play. Um, so it's, it's, it's a big part of us. Um, we're looking into... Um, bike rails into street dividers um, a lot of components that will be gradually released with the app uh, as you know as it matures uh, so it's, it's going to be super relevant so take me back to that conversation that initial conversation that led to because it, this is also the story of of kind of a startup uh you know a tech startup which is yeah. always really interesting to people who have these ideas like wouldn't it be great if we had this tool so that if we were engaging with people they could you know take pictures so take me back to where that conversation came from and that journey to to now in terms of finding partners in terms of funding in terms of everything but beginning with that ambitious conversation I think it started with my well it started in London and started with several um just observations. I lived in Notting Hill and did, did have, I had I had access to um, um, Hyde Park, of course, but any other park in the area was, you know, <laughs> uh, out, out of touch. <laughs> um, and that was just, I thought it was very frustrating. I understand it from a security perspective, but I also started, you know, realizing oh, all these unused side streets, how amazing if there could be a little you know, a little green area for, for play or for, you know, just for social interaction. Um, and, you know, as when you're in London and you also come around, you see the different neighborhoods. And I started getting more and more eye up for that, you know, the um, poor area had significantly less access to green space. Together with um, my own journeys out of London, which is an absorbent price to get, in, to get any kind of, you know, greater forest area. And I just really started thinking about the discrepancies in 
access and who you are, um, your status. Um, and I, I just, I wanted to make something that could, you know, patch that hole together, um, or at least be a facilitator uh, to all these many, many, many organizations that work on the ground every day to uh, to plant trees, um, who seems to be, you know, struggling to communicate their aspirations properly to council level. Um, what if you had easy access, easy and free access to visuals and to, you know, demographic data that could, you know, where you could, you could quickly make a proposal that would, you know, highlight what is the actual, um, what is the actual benefits to the economy as a whole for actually creating this teeny tiny small patch uh, in my street. Um, that's that's what we want to achieve. Because um, you know, I moving back here to Denmark. Um, I speak to uh, a lot of friends who have had various, uh, landscape designers coming out and making wonderful uh, proposals for them, but it comes with a hefty price tag. Um, and again, it's it's extremely exclusive um, and something that just takes a very long time when hopefully, you know, this our green transition should move faster um, than having to rely on access to funds and access to to software. So that was, that was sort of uh, a multi, like a multi, a multi, a very different um, sort of aspirations. And it's wild streets, which you know kind of suggests that you weren't just looking at these closed-off parks. You were looking at this, you know, all this car-dominated uh, landscape. You know, much mm-hmm. of the, the street being given over to hard uh, surfacing. So, you know, is that is that also a, a feeling of being able to democratize that? space somehow or being being people don't feel like they have agency over the road the road is somehow neither Mm. theirs nor anyone else's i mean unless your car is allowed to park there aside from that there's no real um agency over the street so it so is there you know is is the dialogue over the street which has become i think heightened through covid you have people kind of closing Mm. off additional spaces closing roads arguments over cycle traffic or uh cars uh but you know is the street something that we're currently fighting for at the moment yeah absolutely and i think it's very much about reclaiming you know the streets somehow <laughs> we take the streets um you know from the very scratch our, our, our streets our city structure they are designed many years ago for you know um uh, for for a very different time for for people who are not at all inclusive <laughs> um so to sort of um to to give a tool that can break those structures uh that can give people a chance to express what is it what is it that will make my my way to work uh better that will um that will make me more likely to take the bike um, and better my life. Um, so yes, absolutely a tool that you can grab in your pocket at any time at the bus stop when you're frustrated about the, you know, the, 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 the many exhaust gas that you're breathing as you stand waiting for the bus. Just something that you can grab at any point where you are and do something about it. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the inspiration. So you had this idea, you started to think about this tool, and then where do you go? Who do you talk to? How do you get, you know, onto that journey and and also find those partners to give you that that data and the right data? 
well, the data has gone, you know, incredibly fast. <laughs> uh, a lot of data is when you are an NGO and you tell them what you want to do. It's just, it's, it's freely available. Um, we are speaking to Imperial College about getting, you know, um, more hyperlocal data for, for London. Um, and it is once we launch, we launch in London uh, in 2022. Um, but we are doing um, a launch, um, a launch uh, trail through the UK to specific cities. Uh, so, we, for example, speaking to uh, to um, city of trees in Manchester uh, on, about how how we can materialize something together, um, and they then have a lot of wonderful data and that's sort of like you know that we for every city can improve step by step so this is going to be a, a long process to get really really good data but at the very least uh, as a starting point in the uk you will have uh, a certain level of confidence the trees you are presented with, with they will give you the impact um that you know that, that we that we estimated will um the app will be available globally though um um, but of course, you know, it becomes more engagement and visualization tool in, you know, very different climate zones rather than, you know, effective in terms of, of estimates. But nevertheless, it's something that you can use to create the excitement, the debate about how should our cities look like regardless. Um, we see a lot of pull from within Europe uh, to expand the app to the Nordic countries, uh, to Spain, to Italy. So it's there's we're seeing a real ask for the app, which just excites us tremendously. So when you're in those other zones, you'll be able to kind of take a photo of your street and place trees on it, maybe benches. You might not get the same real-time pollution data or something like that. You'll yeah, exactly. still be able to transform the physical environment and snap a selfie and share. Yeah. Created. Exactly. So we're we're working with uh, Plume Labs, are feeding us data, um, and they they cover every town of the world. So at the very least, you you will have um, pollution data um, that are you know as good as it gets, given their access to to um, so to satellites, etc. So where when you think about the future of our our cities and places. Um, where is it that you would like them to go? Are you kind of, um, you know, open and you will want this to be a tool that informs the direction? So you would like the people themselves to inform it? Or are you hoping that this will lead, obviously, to to a more, uh, to greener environments within the city? Oh, absolutely. We have so many aspirations from, you know, from citizen level to just aspire to how the world could look like because again we are trapped in you know this structure we've been born and raised in so to give people some hope that you know there it, it, it could it could look different my our situation could be different um and i could have a say i, I could have a voice uh in the bigger picture i think that's you know that's that's um that's a key point. Uh, but we're also very much hoping that at you know a council level, at the higher level, that we're able to inform about uh, the different the power of green infrastructure, and hopefully make a bigger mandate uh, for, for bigger funding to be available um, for community groups, for NGOs. Um, so we're hoping that it reaches you know um, a lot of different levels. And the same way as architects, there's a lot of architects who places trees because they're 
it's a nice afterthought that should be trees in this picture. Um, but how wonderful if we could inform them as they go along um, about what would be the better choices. Um, and in the same way, you know, the Design Council is, is having um, specific campaigns to increase particular, particular um, focus on, uh, on uh, equal access for POC um, in, uh, in the UK, um, because a lot of, uh, you know, people of color are underrepresented, uh, in the creative, creative economy. Um, and our app will be available for everyone. Uh, so everyone, even the smallest designer who's sitting at their home desk should be able to use the app and be able to submit their designs. Uh, to a council. So we had hoping to cre uh, create a more fair, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, a more sort of a fair level uh, of play for, for, um, uh, for, for, for citizen for even community groups or citizen advocacy groups could then say, look at this abandoned yeah. square in the corner of mine. This is our proposal for transforming it. And normally they'd have to pay an architect or a landscape or have the tools to to show a digital version of that. But basically they could just use this app to submit. Yeah, that. exactly. You know, I spoke to um, I spoke to a colleague recently who lives in London. He told me I just received another flyer in my in my mailbox with all oh, we're greening this square but there was no visuals there were you know some cute little drawings like a like a, a little um uh you know a placeholder image but no sort of real visualization and just you know i i can't visualize it i can't consider it so i i would like to support it but i don't have the the mental resources to invest myself more in it but if, if there is some visuals. It's just it's, it has the potential to transform people's uh, mindset, um, and people are more likely to engage uh, and and have their say if they receive something uh, in the inbox that actually have uh, some visuals that attached to it. When you talk to um, people working with local government or in some of those organizations, do you think there there is a widespread understanding of the impact of, of greening on temperature and pollution? Is that understood and, and flood resilience? Is that understood and expected now? Or is there still a great variance in what people understand um, around the impact of trees? I think there's a general understanding. Um, I think there's a general understanding. Um, whether there is, you know, the, the economic barrier is just so big. So even if there's still understanding that might just stop after that, even there is an understanding and we do have aspirations to, you know, to do more on that area. If this funding is just not available, I think uh, the focus just remains on, you know, what um, on whatever topic at hand. Um, so yes, I think there is an increased understanding. But of course, these are political organizations. So is your hope that this this will lead to to political pressure from on behalf of citizens? I hope so. Yeah, I hope people feel empowered. Um, I hope people that um, they feel that not only that they uh, that their voice matters, that they feel that there is an app that suddenly can translate their wishes uh, into something material. Um, so I certainly hope that you know. You know, social media is so powerful, and if there is a visual on social media with the you know appropriate number of likes and comments, 
you can't ignore a visual any longer. Um, so, 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 you know, we're really hoping to tap into social media um, and to, uh, and that's why, you know, engagement, being able to make a really, really visual strong experience is so important to us. Um, so absolutely, yes, we think that could be um, uh, the potential for making some political, <laughs> political pressure. So you're saying the big launch is 2022. What's your roadmap between now and then? What has to happen? We have to get money. We have to be funded. <laughs> and we have some we have some big leads. Um, but we're also running a Kickstarter campaign very soon. Um, but we have one year in development planned. Uh, and then from from we start, then one year, and then we are we're good to go. Amazing. So you make sure that we know where your Kickstarter is so that we can share with people. Where do people find more information if they want to to support and learn more about Wild Streets? Uh, they would go to wildstreets.org. Uh, and we also we also have a Twitter account. Um, but everything is available at wildstreets.org. Brilliant. Well, I, I think that just leaves me to thank you very much for um, talking to me today about Wild Streets. And I'm really excited uh, to have a play. When do I get to have a play? <laughs> 2022? Oh, yes, but you can also sign up for, um, for pre-testing, which we are you know very excited about. Thanks for listening. Our podcast is produced by Simon Mercer with music by Fortet. If you like what you hear, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thedeveloperuk. You can sign up to our newsletter on our website, thedeveloper.live, and check out our live events on making more sustainable and equitable places at festivalofplace.co.uk. Thanks a lot. See you next time.